I'm Danielle, and you're listening to The Flash Podcast. Flash Podcast, season 1.5 of the Flash Podcast, which is the summer season of this show, as we're waiting for the season to premiere of the CW hit series The Flash, starring Grant Gustin as Barry Allen slash The Flash. I'm one of your hosts, Annie B. And with me, first of all, is she is one of our fabulous co-hosts. She is Miss Lauren Galloway. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Andy. I'm doing very well. Awesome, and um, and with us we have a, a very special guest, and who and he's uh, he's uh, he's a delight. And you know, if if you, if you're on the the world of the internet, like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and you love Arrow and the Flash and you know other geeky stuff, you know, you will know who this guy is because his artistry is beyond this world. It's amazing, and you know he. You know, he's the one who draws all the amazing arrow art you see everywhere, and the Flash, and the Hundred, and I Zombie, and soon, you know, there's going to be Supergirl, Legends of Mars, there's going to be so much to draw. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Lord Meza. Thank you, thank you. Hello, so, everybody. How you doing tonight, Lord? Very good, very good. Thank you for having me back on. Well, thank you for coming back. I, um, I, I know we've been trying to get you on um, since we met up at Comic-Con, and I'm so happy you, you were able to join us for this particular episode because um, because it's a, it's a character review, and it's uh, uh, it's someone that I know a lot of people have been waiting for us to, to cover. So, But before we get to our character review, I, I just want to make a little quick plug to my good friend Kylie Thompson, who uh, is... Uh, part of zaptoid.com and what they're doing right now and this episode is being recorded a week in advance so you know when this episode goes up on Wednesday a, a August 26th the, you know it's going to be like a week from away from us so because we're recording today on Thursday August 20th uh, because of scheduling and so if we if we don't talk about certain news that may come out like you know like they renew flash for season three four and five or you know they reveal a costume or two or whatever and you don't hear us talk about it, that's because we are recording in the past for the, for the future and <laughs> uh, so, so this, they're doing a little giveaway with them you know they're partners with dc collectibles and they ha- they're giving away two flash sets of items where uh, over 250 in retail, and um, the, the set includes a one full-size Flash statue that is 12.5 inches tall, one Flash action figure that is 6.75 inches tall, uh, one Flash reverse Flash ring replica size 12.5, as well as a F- Central City replica badge that it, that includes letter mount at 28 chain, whatever that means. You can enter the giveaway through zaptoit.com's website. I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna be posting this link leading up till next Thursday, which will be August 27th at 4 p.m. 
Eastern. That's when you know that's when they close the giveaway. If you listen to this on Wednesday, make sure to click on the link in the description if you want to enter the giveaway because who doesn't love themselves some flash swag? And they're giving it two sets, so only two of you can get it. And make sure to tell us after that the Flash Podcast sent you. Yeah, because there are no news, um, there's no news to talk about, so we're going to jump right to our main topic of this episode, and Lauren is actually going to be leading it, because what are we talking about this week, Lauren? Well, today we get to talk about Caitlin Snow. Ooh. Hell yeah, Doc, <laughs> Dr. Snow in the hells. Yes, it's so awesome to see a strong female character on a superhero show, and I love the fact that even though she doesn't have powers, I think her mind is her greatest power. And so we are going to jump into a discussion tonight of some of our favorite Caitlin Snow moments, some of her challenges that she faced throughout this season. We're going to cover her relationship with Dr. Wells, her relationship with Cisco, her friendship with Barry, um, you know, how Caitlin reacted when Dr. Wells betrayed her and Team Flash. And of course, we cannot talk about Caitlin without talking about Ronnie and their powerful reconciliation and being united so first let's just start off and i just let's talk about danielle panabaker she as far as i know this is the first major role that danielle's had on television correct me if i'm wrong i think so i i think i've seen her once on bones a couple or a couple episodes from bones and and maybe csi maybe here or there if i'm mistaken but yes i think as a as a major uh, cast member, I think this might be a first. And do you guys think she was a good casting choice? Do you think she really grew as an actress throughout the season? I think she's, yeah, she's she's great in the role. Uh, she uh, embodies that very uh, intelligent type character, um, at the same time very approachable and very uh, vulnerable. Um, yeah, like, I, I, I know that when she was in Bones, she was this, um, she was an FBI agent, so she was uh, unlike uh, her Caitlyn character, where she was more kind of uh, more aggressive, more uh, assertive character, and in, in, in Flash, when I saw her in Flash, uh, it was interesting to see like, in the beginning how she was living up to her last name. She was very cold, and and hmm. she explained to Barry that that uh, the things that she had lost, and and how that resulted in, in who she was at the time when he met her, and. And, but it was great to see that as the season progressed, that snow melted and she was a lot more approachable and a lot more likable and relatable for not only the rest of the team, but for the audience, too. Yeah, I um, I was um, not that familiar with Danny. I was more familiar with her little sister, Kay. And I, um, I I saw her on Greg Blandia's um short-lived show uh, No Ordinary Family uh, on ABC a few years ago. So I knew of her little sister, but I didn't know much about Danielle. I did see her in... Okay, I need to make sure I remember this correctly, because I know Katie Cassidy did Nine on Elm Street, so I think Danielle was in Friday the 13th. That's the only place I'd ever seen her before, and I, you know, I don't remember having much of an opinion at that point. So when they... When they announced that they were adding Kaylin Snow and they were gonna, ca- they were adding her um, to the character, I, you know, I wasn't sure what to think. Uh, but I was like, you know, no, I look, I trust the Rappaport, so I'm sure, you know, it's gonna be a great character and uh, a great, a great casting choice. So, uh, no, but I think she is, you know, she fits the role really well. And uh, I, you know, one of the things that is 
it's both awesome but also very um, tragic in a way because it's like you know we love Daniel so much as you know this adorable strong Caitlyn song so like when you're thinking about the fact that you know Caitlyn Snow is Kill Frost in the DC universe you're thinking you I don't want this adorable awesome nice person to turn into this evil villainess basically so I'm like you know oh my god they cast someone adorable that they're gonna turn into a villain one day what I don't know like I was so it was like it's both tragic but it's also like very intriguing that they got like someone that you know looks you know it's basically a sweetheart but then like you know can maybe in in the blink of an eye turn you know completely no pun intended cold but uh, so like you know I, I i like her in the role so i think she is you know she adds very she's in the beginning of the season she you know had very limited layers but you know but that was the point because you know she'd lost you know ronnie and you know she'd lost a lot of things so you know that's that was the point of her character that she was supposed to be distant and not that cheerful and so on and it would be a build-up towards her being more more happier basically and i think barry was one of the people that kind of contributed to a lot of that yes yeah I, I like how both of you guys have brought up the parallel to her being a cold more of a regard like um more of a guarded person in the first part of the season and how she warmed up towards the end i think that's a really good way to describe her character uh just looking at her imdb i guess she's been in television about 12 years and she's been on a lot of different shows. She was on Malcolm in the Middle, CSI, The Guardian. But what I think is interesting is she was in an episode of, where is it? She was in an episode of Eli Stone, which oh. is another Guggenheim Berlanti show. Yeah. Another so connection. Maybe, maybe that's where they had met Danielle and maybe when they were doing some dream casting they remembered her from her performance in that in that series she was in an episode called owner of a lovely heart so that sounds that sounds probably very likely how they it seems like they 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 used a lot of actors that they had worked before uh, and brought them over to to flash and arrow so um, hey it was a good it was a good job and, and great casting so you know, I think that's a testament to her uh, portrayal that how like, I felt the same with Andy that in the beginning, you know, we didn't know who she was. You knew the trajectory of the character and, and the, the destiny to become Killer Frost. So so you're just like, all right, you you're as a comic book fan, you're ready for that to happen or you anticipating that to happen. But then what you don't anticipate is her being so likable and and so um fun-loving and, and, and warming up to her that that you then all of a sudden you remember that she's supposed to possibly you know turn into a villain and you're like no you know you know it's it's one of the things that I would I know it's gonna happen I know she's gonna do a bang-up job playing the villain but at the same time you're just like oh I don't want her to leave team arrow uh, team flash and I, and uh, so it's it's this kind of uh, bittersweet whenever that happens uh, moment but uh, but yeah, it's, she's she's uh, done a great job of, of being such a likable character. So I'm not too familiar with Killer Frost in the comics. Can either of you share just a little bit of who she is for any listeners that that don't know who this villainous character is? 
Well, Killer Frost in the um, in the comic book, uh, there's been multiple people who's been Killer Frost, and Caitlin is actually the latest one in the New Fifty Two, or you know the the new DC universe. She is the current Killer Frost, and she is she's a Firestone villain, and um, and that's why you know once again like when they announced Killer Frost, you know Caitlin Snow. And that's actually how me and uh, my friend ShagrafireStormFan.com became so close because like, we connected through Twitter and we were like, you know, why are they adding Killer Frost to the show? Because like, could Firestorm be coming? And like, you know, and then two months later, what they do, Robbie and Mal is arriving. And so she is, you know, and she's, and she's you know, Killer Frost has been part of teams like the Secret Society and the Suicide Squad and the Injustice League and so on. So she's a... She's a very powerful ice villain, and um, and she's been in a lot of video games. I think she's mostly known for um, the 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 appearance she did, does in DC Universe Online as well as Injustice. So she's um, yeah, she's um, one of the cool female villains in the DC Universe. The only thing I know about her, I think, really, are from the animated shows when when she was on or she would pop on. So I know that she was in the most recent. Um, I think she was in the most recent Suicide Squad directed mm-hmm. TV animated yeah uh, that, feature. So yeah, no, she was. Uh, oh, that was Louise Lincoln, and uh, or maybe it was. You know, it would have been funny if it had, if it had been Caitlyn, and then everyone would be like, you know, oh my god, what if she's in Suicide Squad on Arrow? And <laughs> one day, huh. yeah, maybe. That's so interesting that she's a villain in the comics, and yet in the show, she's one of the main heroes at this point. And I agree with you guys. She's so sweet and so kind. I, I, I cannot imagine her having a, a mean cold side. And especially after working with Barry for a year, rescuing people, I, I cannot see that version of Caitlin ever do anything to harm another person. But I think, and we'll get into this a bit later. I think we'll definitely get to see multiverse versions of her in season two. I know that we got a little tease of that in the wormhole when Barry was going through the time stream. But yeah, she's not someone who strikes me as as villainous at all. Well, that that's what adds a... Oh, sorry, what were we going to say? Oh, no, I was just agreeing. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, what I was going to say, but that's that's one of the things that I think makes it so much more fun for the actor when they're playing, you know, because, you know, because like, sometimes, you know, when you look at an actor and you look at their how they look and so on, you, you have this exception, you know, like, pr- you know, prediction, like, you know, like, of who they can be and stuff like that. So, like, when you see, you know, the typical sweetheart next door or whatever and so on, then you see them, like, you know, going from being sweet and being able to be completely evil and vicious. I think that makes it more fun for them because, you know, they can kind of play with our predictions and our assumptions. So I think, you know, when we see at some point Panamaker turn into Killer Frost, you know, I think it's going to be hopefully something that will be very fun for her and also, you know, very compelling for us to see because we all said in the past few minutes, we, we all look at her as, you know, th- this kind and warm person and so on. But then, you know, in the blink of an eye, depending on how she becomes Killer Frost, you know, she can be, do it, she can do it completely 180. And I think that's just going to be, you know, as tragic as, as, it, as it's going to be for us watching it because we love her so much, it's going to be fun, too, because we get to see a different performance out of one and the same person. Yeah, that's a really good point, that Danielle will get to take on different ranges of her character. Um, 
on here it says on the wiki page for Killer Frost that some of her powers include the ability to absorb heat from external sources, which is a bad thing if she's hanging out with Firestorm. (laughs) She can transmute it into waves of cold. She can create an ice sheen across her entire body and make objects out of ice, such as projectiles and defensive walls. And it says in a pre-crisis on Infinite Earth, she had the ability to make men fall under her control with a kiss. So that'll be kind of fun to see Danielle play kind of a darker, edgier version of herself. Yeah, I would uh, I would also definitely recommend, if anyone wants to like get to know Caitlin Snow in the comic books, I would start by picking up um, Sterling Gates wrote an amazing, um, during Forever, um, Villains Month of Forever Evil, he wrote um, a special issue called... Uh, of the Justice League America uh, series um, 7.2, uh, which was also known as Killer Frost Issue 1, where you get to see the complete origin of Caitlin Snow from how she becomes Killer Frost and, like, you know, who she was before that. And it's actually a very tragic story. So, um, yeah, I would, you know, you can pick it up um, in, you know, like in a single issue, or you can buy it digitally on the DC Comics app or Comicsology. It's a, it's a very good read. And, then, you know, who knows, maybe. That that's a similar route they will go with when she becomes Killer Frost. So let's jump into some favorite moments. Um, we reached out to Twitter and asked Danielle's fans to let us know what some of their favorite moments in her se- the season one was. And we, Andy, how many how many replies did we get? Like a hundred, hundred fifty? No one responded. They were just like you know, <laughs> they, you know, they just like you know, oh, I like the drunk moment, and then they were no. And Danielle was very sweet to retweet Lauren's tweet and kind of like you know let people know that we were doing an episode about it. And we got I think definitely over like fifty and eighty replies. So we you know we got a ton. Like I was like I came back to the computer. I'm like you know like what's going on? And so I was like tweet 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 tweet. I'm like what? So much fun to see what everyone was saying and they were sending screenshots. I think one of them did send us one of um, Lords's um, art. Uh, I'm trying to see which one it was. I think it was the, the, the evil, evil dress. dress. <laughs> yeah, it's that's. I think for me personally, hands down, that's that was my favorite uh, moment or Caitlin and Barry moment. Uh, this the first season was was seeing even in the promos, you knew it was going to be a funny episode. So and I think. You know, I think there's certain episodes that these that the writers write that they know are going to be a hit with the audience, and I think that one was one of them, definitely. I'm looking at it right now, that art, and I, I'm trying to imagine um, Daniel saying, "Beware, evil dress! The Flash is here to rescue me." <laughs> okay, time for bed. <laughs> and like she looks so cute, like pointing at the dress, like you know, it's evil. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely what fans tweeted us the most was drunk Caitlin and karaoke Caitlin and the, and the Snowberry kiss between between Caitlin Snow and Barry Allen. And I think all of those moments, even though they don't necessarily show the depth of Danielle's acting, that they're really, really, really fun moments. And it's it's important to remember that these actors are really young actors and, and that these characters are young as well. They're in their early 20s. Um, I loved when they're trying to get Barry drunk and he can't. <laughs> because that's what friends do after a hard day at the office you go have a drink and why would that be any different from scientists who are trying to save the world and I, I really love light moments like that in these really heavy 
emotional shows. Like on Arrow, I think my favorite moment this season was when Laurel and Nyssa go out for milkshakes. I thought that was such a sweet moment. Did you do art for that, that as well? That one, you know, towards the end, there was so much <laughs> uh, to draw from that I, I thought, I was thinking for a hot second that during the, the, the break, the summer break, I would be able to maybe go back and revisit some episodes and, and draw things. But then wrestling happened and... <laughs> <laughs> comic and all the news that <laughs> popped up that that I didn't get a chance to I was I wanted to do kind of like a a, a like a flashback type uh, illustrations to to things that I you know I I should have or could have drawn but I didn't get a chance to because there were two other maybe ideas that had jumped to the foreground and so that was one of them I forgot what else happened in that episode but. That was definitely one that I was, oh, I should do something like that, but I, I just didn't get a chance to. Hopefully, right, maybe. If you, if you ever do the milkshake scene, let me know. <laughs> okay. Well, well he, did, he did do one for uh, when they were trying to get um, Barry drunk. Um, yes. Yeah, it's um, it's a giant, like, mug. Like, it, like, it, like, yeah, sorry? It's a tiki mug, like a, tiki, like okay. a Hawaiian drink type. Yeah. And Barry <laughs> is just like, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> what, what a giant straw that you get to have. <laughs> hey, That's he, he awesome. needs a lot. He needs a lot to get drunk. I'm going to read off some tweets just from people. So uh, Browncoat underscore Aurora wrote the, karaoke, the karaoke episode, hands down, Drunk Caitlin is magic. <laughs> Dan Reb V said Drunk Caitlin, of course. And we got so many of those, I just stopped saving them because that's what everybody <laughs> kept saying. Um, Alice Uzeko said, but I also love the quote, I didn't want him to be a hero. I wanted him to be my husband moment. <laughs> I, I crap already. I'm like, I'm not gonna. And that <sighs> is like right in the feels. Caitlin had a lot of really good lines like that. Um, Posey Bro Brian said, oh, said that um, whoever this person is said, oh, I really loved when Caitlin said the four of us and then turned to Iris about joining Team Flash. That was a very cool moment. Yeah. Goulding's baby said also, quote, with or without your speed, you're still Barry, and I believe you should too. So those were some of the the best moments that I pulled out. And I think in addition to drunk and karaoke, Caitlin, everybody loved the, oh, Snowstorm? Is that the ship name? With- yes. Caitlin and, and Ronnie, their wedding at the end. That was a good one. That was a very Were you were you thinking of drawing like uh, like at the time were you thinking of drawing like something from the wedding? You know, there were some things that I felt would be a little obvious, I guess. I it was if I could think of a way to to put a little funny twist on it, I think so, but but it's there there are times when I'll watch an episode and I'll be like, Oh, so they're you know, they might be expecting me to draw something from this scene and and I don't know I I, I kind of like to find a little bit of a challenge into the in, into drawing some things that might not have might have gone unnoticed maybe or or there was maybe it was something that was more serious that could be kind of taken in the humorous way so so I, that one was one that I I never it never really occurred to me because it felt like it was just it, it was what it was it was a very touching moment that I don't think I could have really maybe 
found any, or at the time, I, I don't think I, I would have, I would I wanted to kind of respect the scene and, and respect what was going on, so I, I didn't think of, of really doing anything for that one. I, because this just came into my head, like what, because you know, because Mick Stein rushed a wedding so much, what if you had drawn like, like, a big line of people lining up to just do a quick wedding and Martin Stein <laughs> is like, you know, like, you know, like, Mazel Tov, get up, kids, and you're like, next. Stein, Stein's uh, wedding, wedding, uh, speedy wedding service. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Most people said the, the wedding, the karaoke, and then any time that Caitlin was really supportive of Barry and encouraging him to be himself and encouraging him to go for his best. I think those are probably the top moments that we heard about from fans. I'm looking at uh, one of Lord's art right now. I found it. I was looking for that because I knew you had drawn something from the karaoke scene. And it's, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to, under okay, so she's in a yellow dress. Who is she supposed to look like? Uh, because they were singing a Grease song. So that's actually what. Olivia Newton-John was wearing a ah, right. and that's what Travolta was, he's wearing what Travolta <laughs> was kind of wearing in, in his portion of that song. So, so yeah, was, that was, that was one of the ones where I did a, a time-lapse video of, of me drawing the illustration. And so like with a lot of the videos that I do, I actually have in mind the song that I'm going to um, accompany the video with as people are watching it and so that one I you know it was obvious I, I had to find uh, a rendition a cover of the or a rendition of, of the uh, Summer Nights um, song and so I actually you know uh, in, in, in homage to uh, Grant I used the Glee version of a <gasps> uh, cover of that song so I love you even more <laughs> So yeah, so that was so that was the whole the whole kind of thought behind that one is that one I, I think I, I knew the song or I knew I wanted to do the song before I, I knew I wanted to do the the illustration, I think. I think the one kind of birthed the other. But uh but yeah, that was that was one that I, I knew I had to do and uh um I just oh like in regards to that scene, like how great was it when even even at in a drunken stupor when Barry starts to sing you kind of get that glint of out of uh, um, Caitlin's eyes, like holy crap, this guy can sing too. You know that that little like look of realization yeah. that was hilarious. That that you know she was that she was amazed even even at even uh, though she was like pretty uh, uh, turned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that was a lot of fun. I um I'm also looking at uh, I just found another art. I, I I'm I. I'm so unprofessional. I'm just looking at your pictures, Lord. Uh, I found the one where when um, Barry had eaten some spicy food and uh, he's drinking like milk out of yeah. all things, and she she just standing in the background. That was so romantic. <laughs> was that like was that her like saying that was so romantic because you you ate a pepper at Linda's work? <laughs> it was yeah. It was his the whole her reaction to his gesture of of. I want to be with you. I'll eat this pepper to prove how much I want to, you know, uh, see where this goes or uh, sort of see where this relationship leads. And so that was just uh, Caitlin's kind of like, oh, that's so romantic. And, and, you know, and then there's Cisco's reaction. So. <laughs> I think I'm going to rename you the Hot Flash. <laughs> I, I actually came up with a favorite moment I, I, um, with Caitlin, if I, if I may. 
Yeah, sure. please. You know, I love the Cisco and Caitlin, you know, brothers is a relationship and so on that she's like, you know, she, you know, she's the best friend to Barry. She's the big sister to Cisco. And I remember, you know, on I think it was episode 16 or 17 when she um joined and then she went with him to his brother's birthday, which, you know, was difficult for Cisco because yeah, because his family is treating him a little bit a little bad, they're neglecting him like a lot, uh, which is which is not nice because Cisco is like a gift. You should you know not neglect it at all. But like, she's like she would be there for him in the uncomfortable place and so. And she, I think she even said in the beginning of the episode, like, no, let me come and just help you with something uncomfortable. You know, you've been there for me, all you know throughout this whole Ronnie thing and all that. So she, the one thing I've loved about Caitlyn throughout this whole first season that always keeps shocking me is that. You know, she's lost so much. She keeps losing things. And, like, but she never breaks down. She just keeps going and going. I'm like, that that type of emotional sh- strength is inspiring. But it just makes me want to, like, you know, look at how much this, you know, being part of this team is driving her. You know, even though, you know, she lost her fiancé, then he came back, but it wasn't really him, and he was kind of woo-woo. And then, you know, she then they separated, and then, you know, like, and he had, then they combined, and he had to leave again, and then, you know, he came back, but it was just, like, emotional. Like, one after one after one, she kept going through, and it was always so fascinating just seeing that. She cried, I think, like, she, she broke down, like, I think, like, before Ronnie came back, I think you know that was the point where she said, you know, I didn't want him to be a hero; I wanted him to be my husband. Yeah, let let's talk about that a little bit. I think we're gonna jump ahead in our rundown here, but I I really want to get into Caitlin's progression throughout this season because I think I think we really see the first time uh, we really get to a glimpse into her emotional state in episode three in the things you can't outrun. I think that's the first episode where we find out what happened to Ronnie and why he was in the particle accelerator that night. And, you know, in the very beginning of the season, she is very cold towards Barry and she is very guarded and turned off because obviously she just lost the love of her life practically on the eve of their wedding. So Caitlin is painted as a very intelligent and very sophisticated and yet very tragic character in the beginning. And what I found really interesting was that as the season progressed, I mean, she has to keep working in the building where her fiance died. And when she walks those halls and those corridors, she's always reminded of him. But like you were saying, Andy, we never really see Caitlin break down so much to the point where she ever leaves Star Labs or she ever says that she's off Team Flash. And I think that says a lot about her, that she has a lot of emotional strength despite going through something really traumatic. And I think that helps her cope with a lot of the things that happen throughout the season. But I would love to hear hear your thoughts on just like what it was like for her to go from I mean the stages of grief you know the first stage is denial and the second is anger and then bargaining and then acceptance and she goes through all of those stages and I forget what episode it is it might be maybe after the karaoke episode where she says that she's okay and that she's ready to move on with her life and then right after that we get what is it the nuclear man and fallout and then Ronnie is back and so she then she gets caught up in this whole whirlwind of, oh, my fiancé is alive, but he's this crazy homeless 
metahuman who is like stalking me and following me around and then they realize that they can help him and they can heal him i mean i think i think of all the characters on the show besides barry caitlin really has gone through the most um andy what do you think about her emotional journey this season you know, seeing, you know, in, when we were talking about the first half of the season, I remember, like, I didn't bring it up, I didn't bring it up that much on the podcast song, because I was like thinking, you know, maybe I'm just, like, overreacting, whatever, but I just remember feeling that, you know, how could she still work there? I'm like, you know, I'm, I always remember, you know, okay, there's been, it's been nine months, you know, since, you know, from the time Barry woke up and all that, so, you know, maybe she's had time to progress and stuff like that, but it's, it's still fascinating me that every week when we were watching the show, I'm like, she's sitting in the building, where her husband died, and we didn't, you know, her fiance died, and we didn't know if she had, like, if she had seen a body, or if she had seen, like, you know, blood, or something like that, it was just, we didn't know that time, we can see this as emotional strength as well, and so on, you know, something that I think we've learned a lot from Arrow this season, no offense to Arrow, but it, it's not good to bottle things up, and, but I think Caitlin, you know, d- doesn't do that, I think, you know, she has good strength, and I think, you know, she does, you know, like, she doesn't bottle everything up, like, you know, she will act out when she needs to, you know, I think it was, I think it was the the, the karaoke episode, because I remember she had a hungover, and that's when Cisco told her that I was there when Ronnie died, and, you know, I could have so-so and so on, and she was very, very understanding, basically, but also a little bit upset as well, and so on, so, like, but she, you know, she would react, and she would act out you know, instead of bothering everything up, and I think that's the important thing that why it's like, you know, yes, she went through all this bleep, but in the end, she could sustain it, she could keep up with it, and so on, and yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was beautiful. I think, you know, Kayla and Iris are both really strong in there for, for different reasons, stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of times where I actually look up to the women on the show, I'm like, you know, I, I want to be as strong as them, and, you know, Kaylin is having to go through that, that, that whole circle of I lost my fiance, but now he's back. But he's uh, he's a little nutty and fiery, and then you know he leaves, and then you know that, you know whenever we watch the show, it's only been a week. Whenever we watch the latest episode, but you know we never know how long it's been for her. Whenever some of these events has happened, you know it could have been a few days, maybe a few weeks, who knows? But in the end, like, you know, by the time we got to the end of the season, it was really nice to just see her being. She was healed, and I, you know, I remember, you know, you know, it felt very organic from seeing, you know, the cold person we saw in the pilot, to the more, you know, cheerful and geeky person that would, you know, come up with really, really bad names for these villains, like you know, Peekaboo, Ring Beret, like come on, Caitlin, you know, like not a, not a, co- not even a comic book would name them that. <laughs> so yeah it was it was empowering i know a lot of people that have lost fiancés boyfriends girlfriends parents stuff like that you know and i've seen you know something they can never pick themselves up again you know because it's so tragic but you know seeing caitlin like you know and she lost a lot you know she mentioned that you know her you know people were blaming her as well as cisco and harrison for the particle accelerator incident you know she like people would not take her seriously anymore as a scientist and you know like she lost a lot of things of her life that night. So, you know, seeing her, like, you know, just having, you know, going with what she has, I think that's 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 powerful. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting that I think when Barry joined the team, or when they started working with Barry, was the beginning of, of her uh, road to recovery, I think. Um, it was interesting how they were 
almost playing a little bit of she was kind of interested in him. They would they would always do these little looks that she would give him that that at least it, it made me feel that oh, does she have a thing for me? Or it was it was funny because in the in the karaoke episode when she was like, "Did you look at my goodies?" Was that <laughs> the line or something like that? And did you and take I a think, sneak peek? Yeah, did, did you peek at my goodies or something? Or did you peek? Yeah. And then there was when they they did the kiss, and I think throughout the remainder of the season, they kind of I, I think they dangled that carrot a little bit in front of the audience, and and it's obvious by the Snowberry shippers that. Uh, you know that was something that that they felt was was a very strong possibility of happening, and I think that that helped her kind of find her way back to herself and and to her way back to um, joining everyone in regards to like a more social, being more social and being more open, being less guarded. Uh, uh, and I, you know, I and I. I would definitely say they attributed a lot of that to Barry's joining. And it's funny because Barry's so oblivious to the entire thing, uh, to the to her her little glances and and you know, when when there was that scene where where they kiss or the what what was his name again? What was the character's name? Um the one that, that made himself look like Barry. Oh, every every man? Every man, yeah. When every man in and they kissed and she kinda had that whoa, you know. There was the first brief one, and then the second one, which kind of lasted a little bit longer. And then, and then, uh, was it Iris who walked in, and and she was a little, Kitten was a little flustered. You know, there was there was that that little uncomfortableness that like, oh hey, I, I kind of like that, but you know, uh, <laughs> I can't. Fruit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I can't because you know. And then it's you know it's fitting when Ronnie comes back into the picture that she is focused in on him and, and she was focused in on rebuilding that relationship that she had before um, the accident so you know uh, uh, yeah it was it was great to see and, and, and I just feel that uh, there was uh, a lot to attribute to Barry's joining the team and joining uh, um, the group that, that led to, to the beginning of her healing I think that's a really good point because like you're both are saying she didn't only lose Ronnie, she lost her entire career. And for somebody as smart and as intelligent as she is and to be able to work with somebody like Dr. Wells at Star Labs that came that came with so much prominence and the fact that they were working on a particle accelerator, that's the type of work that gets you a Nobel prize. And for all of that to go away and then for her to decide to stick around it's almost as if Barry was her project because she couldn't save Ronnie but now she could save this young man that's on her table and I, I do I think you're right I think that that Barry played a huge part in saving her life because they always say that when you're going through grief or when you're going through something really challenging in your life the best thing that you can do is to help somebody else and to kind of step out of your head for a little bit and work on a project and I think Barry was that project for her and then the fact that he woke up and had powers and wanted to use his powers for good 
you know, the particle accelerator didn't work. And that was her idea of bringing good into the world. Now she can do good through saving people's lives and working with Barry and working with Cisco. And I think, I think the work is what saved her. And I think Barry as well. And I think Cisco being with her so that she wasn't there alone, having to grieve and having to deal with, with her loss. But I, I never really realized until just now that outside of Barry, I think Caitlin, not that she was a main character cause it's an ensemble cast, but she really went through the most emotional transformation out of any other character on the show. And I think that's really cool because she is kind of a secondary character in the comics. Killer Frost isn't as well known as somebody like the flash. And yet now people know who she is and they're going to start reading about her comic backstory. And, and Danielle obviously now has such a fantastic fandom just based on the response we got on Twitter. Um, All right. So let's talk about her, her being reunited with Ronnie and specifically Lord, what you were just hinting at this entire season, we've watched Caitlin grieve Ronnie. She finally gets to a place where she's okay being single and she's finally done with the grieving process. And then he comes back, but he's not himself. He's this merged metahuman. And then, and then they finally figure out a way to separate he and Dr. Stein and he wants to leave and Caitlin doesn't want to leave. So Andy, I'd love to hear your thoughts on like what it was, what it was like for you watching them be reunited at the beginning of fallout. Like when the nuclear explosion goes off and then Caitlin and Ronnie have that wonderful reunited moment and then kind of her progression in deciding to stay in, in central city. I kept thinking of like why did th- why did it have to be snow like after the explosion? <laughs> I'm like you know like that is so foreshadowing that it's not like even funny. But I'm like no, it was but it was also beautiful. I was um, no, I was touched. I was very happy to see that they you know they got the kids to each other and he you know she said you know tell me your name and he's like Ronnie Raymond, and then they're back at Star Labs and um, although is it okay. I love look. I love Snowstorm, but there there was a part of me in that episode that was kind of shipping Firestorm a lot because of Victor Garb and Robbie Amell, you know, <laughs> you know, like arguing with each other stuff like that. He's like, you know, I think we have we spend quite enough quite enough time with each other, and uh, Victor Garber is the best. I need to watch Alias. So um, but wait, wait, it, wait, wait! You haven't watched Alias yet? If you haven't noticed, I've been. <laughs> okay, when you watch Alias, please let me know because Victor Garber is the best on-screen dad you will ever see. Ever. Jesse Lamar and Joe West. Well, oh, come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do not want to mess with Sydney's dad in uh, yeah. in Alias. He I... is scary, like and. You guys are not gonna forgive me for this. I I I met Victor Garber at Comic Con. You know, he came to our table, but then I walked up to him later on, and you know, we just wanted to talk to him a little bit and so. And I said to him, you know, and my big sister, you know, she just wanted to. She was a big fan of yours uh, as Daddy Spy. He's like, no, 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 Spy Daddy. I'm like, I'm like, crap. I <laughs> said the wrong name in front of him. Like, you know, he and I wasn't pretending that I had seen Alias. I like just messed it up and said daddy spy and 
and he was like, no, 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 Spy Daddy. I'm like, oh, okay. And I will, I will admit, I did refer to him as the professor several times, like during the um, the junket for Legends Tomorrow. Like he, when he came to our table, I said, you know, what's up, professor? And I'm like, <laughs> then I met him in the end. I'm like, you know, hey, professor. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sure you appreciated that. That means his his portrayal as uh, Professor Stein was. It's, it leaked into his real life, so, you know, it was uh, kudos to him. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so going back to your original question, um, no, it was beautiful seeing them reunite, but also had that conflict of, you know, like, you know, Ronnie, you know, you you know, you know can't just expect me to leave now that you're back. You know, I have this different life now. You know, we need to compromise, basically, and stuff like that. And, and that, you know, at the time, we didn't know how many episodes Robbie Man was going to be throughout the season, so, so I thought what they were going to do was maybe, you know, you know, stretch out this whole, you know, like be, you know, them arguing, and then you know they would break up or whatever. But you know, they resolved it pretty quickly in the episode by, <laughs> by having him go back into Firestorm and just leave and to visit the friend and uh, overseas basically to get some help. It was a very well done reunion, and um, by knowing that Ronnie was out there in the world and like this rediscovering himself, becoming this new person, I think you know, it, I think it gave some Caitlin that. And that, that daily boost every day of like being happy that you know like you know at least I know he's alive and he's he's doing what he wants to do now he's not trapped anymore and he can do whatever he wants and we will have beautiful long wedding at the end of the season that will not be rushed at all by a professor. They Robbie Mel and Daniel Panamaker they're perfect with each other. I you know I, I've said before on the show you know I. I don't care too much for Snowberry, you know, I, I'm a, you know, I, look, I'm a West Allen, y'all, you know, straight up, and, you know, like, you know, the number, the, the first thing I got at Lord Mizzle's booth at Comic-Con was a Lord, um, a West Allen art, I was like, do you have West Allen with you? He's like, oh, yes, 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 so, but I like them, I like Snowberry as fat, as friends, but with Snowstorm, it's such a beautiful, but also something that, that can become this tragic, complex love story, because, how often do we see two good people get together, get married, have a happy ending, and then one of them turns to the dark side? And Firestorm and Kilo Frost are known for battling each other. You know, do you, it's such a tr- complex and tragic romance love story that I'm looking forward to see because we don't get that a lot. So, yeah, I'm a huge Snowstorm fan because it's con- it's one of the most compelling relations- relationships we will ever see in comic book. TV or movies. Yeah, I agree. Um, Lord Mesa, what what are your thoughts on their being reunited finally? You know, it was something that I think everyone was anticipating. I think that was something that that you know was going to happen, and just to know. And I guess for my for my personal uh, take on it, I I don't know if it's because I watch a lot of TV, and and you know, when it comes to that, you kind of try and figure out the logistics of things and the logistics of like, are they going to keep Robbie as a cast member? And, and you know, she's going to become a villain. What does that mean? I feel that that temper, uh, from my point of view, I, uh, and as a comic book fan, I feel that kind of tempers my, my anticipation of things and, and, or when it does happen, I mean, it's great and it's, it's awesome to see it on the screen, but then a little Part of me that's the Debbie Downers like well, we'll see how this how long this lasts you know and, and it, it's terrible but it's it's like sometimes you just kind of want to watch it I, I know that that people who aren't comic book fans that, that don't know anything about their characters and, and 
and and don't think about the logistics of, of like television and, and how long they can keep actors for and, and whatnot that that it's a much better experience like these things that happen are are, are great to to see and and you don't know how it's going to turn out or you don't want to try and figure out how it's going to turn out and and you know so so for me it was great to see but like i i was like oh like like she's going to become killer frost and 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 how long can they keep you know um um Victor Garver and, and Robbie Amell on the show and it feels like the cast it's such a large it feels like it's like a larger cast than than Arrow and and uh I, I could be mistaken but it just it feels like you know you just see them as a group so much that you know you always see Steven by himself when he's out shooting people and everything so so it makes you know I was I was always kind of in the back of my mind just was thinking how they're going to work it out so that that uh, this relationship or what they or trying to anticipate what how they were going to play out this relationship and and you know and then when the advent of of Legends of Tomorrow and the fact that that uh, that Firestorm is going to be there then so you know that they also kind of like oh okay well they obviously want to keep the character and, and but I guess they never they never really did they ever even announce that Robbie was going to was gonna or or they were gonna announce someone else was gonna be. Um, Garber said that they're addressing the whole thing in the premiere. Um, there's speculation that he's gonna get killed off, or that something is gonna happen where Ronnie will not be the other half. And there's um, major speculations that Jay Jackson, who's gonna be played by Fra- Franz Drami, he um, I think that's how you say last last name. He's gonna be playing Jay Jackson, who is gonna have a uh, an interesting connection to Star Labs, and people think he's going to become the new half of Firestorm. So, um, but but these are speculations. Uh, you know, who knows? We could be all wrong. Maybe you know, you know, maybe Ronnie gets trapped in Earth too. Maybe that's why he isn't a part of the Legends because he's going to be stuck in a different universe. He got knocked out in the last episode. Right? Is that why he didn't combine with uh, with Professor Stein or? Something did something happen to him that I, I can't remember right now because it's been a while. Why he he didn't merge, try and help or do, I don't know if, if they could have done it. He got hurt, but because I know Kaylin got really concerned about something because I remember everyone on Twitter was like, "No, is this when they're killing him off?" And <laughs> and, um, and you're right, something did happen because although I don't know if Firestorm could have really done that much in you know a giant sucking wormhole. Thingy. Um, I but think he tried. But he, 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 he tried. You know, at least, you know, it's the thought that matters. <laughs> when you're conscious. Exactly. I would but, love yeah. to see um, Robbie Amell confirmed as a main cast member for season two of yeah. The Flash. He he was on X Files, right? Or did he just? It was his was his uh, role on X Files a, a brief one, or was it? Is, well, this, I think the, the X Files is what six episodes. It's just a limited. Oh, okay. It's like a limited so, run, but yeah, he is on X Files right now. I forgot about that, but they filmed that in Vancouver too. So. Oh, hey. oh really? So he just shop. He just pops up on the on the set in a suit. Yeah, FBI. He's there to recruit Sydney Bristow's dad, Jack Bristow, aka Dr. Martin Stein. I don't know. If you guys, just a little bit of trivia. Um, I think the X Files filmed maybe one or two seasons in the early, early '90s in Los Angeles, and then they moved production up to Vancouver. 
maybe it's the other way around, but they spent a lot of time in Vancouver. That's where James Bamford, that's where he did his early work in TV stunts was on the X-Files. Oh. And you can go back and watch X-Files episodes and see so many Vancouver actors that you've also seen in Arrow, that you've also seen in Continuum. I mean, there's a pool of Vancouver actors that just bounce around to all these different shows. And yeah, they're they're filming the new X-Files in Vancouver right now. I've never seen X-Files and uh, I oh, Andy you gotta watch the X-Files but you I'm gotta the... watch Alias you have a homework to do I'm the youngest one here like I am like and my big sister keeps telling me that I I'm not gonna understand X-Files I'm like what is you don't it? Understand yeah I, I maybe it's her protective sisterness that is just like you won't you won't get 10 seasons of uh, of X-Files or whatever um <laughs> The, fi- the snowstorm relationship, is that where we're at? Yes, and yeah, I think the last, the place where we'll close is just hopes for season two. So for me personally, I would love to see Caitlin take on a leadership role at Star Labs now that Dr. Wells is gone. And I know that in the plot for the first episode of season two, it says that she's been gone. But we know that she's been on set filming, so maybe she just goes away for her honeymoon and then comes back to central city. But I would love to see Caitlin and Cisco head up star labs. I would love to see them bring Iris on board team flash. And I would, I think my, my biggest hope for season two is that Iris and Caitlin become BFFs. Yes. And I, <laughs> they, they deal with all their drama together because like so often in shows, the women aren't, really good friends like Laurel and Felicity it took them a while to get comfortable around each other because there's all the jealousy and you know who's dating who and I hope that all that can just get put aside and that Iris can really really bond with Caitlin because Iris just lost her fiance and Caitlin knows exactly what that's like and it would be great to see them maybe even move in together and really see Caitlin help Iris grieve do you, know how, do, do you know how much this is going to... Do you know how much epic art we're going to get from Lord Meza if they become <laughs> roommates? Uh, they're like uh, making... They're, they're, they're meal planning and they're, uh, they're like doing each other's nails. And <laughs> they're, talk, they're talking about like, you know, so so what is the coolest thing you've seen Barry save? What, 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 this one time I saw him save... This bus by vibrating through the bus, and then I don't know. It was no, I. Oh, damn it, Lauren! You took all of my answers, basically. <laughs> um, I, I'm so sorry. Okay, do no. they have a ship named Iris and Caitlin? Snow West. Ky- Kyrus. Oh, Snow West. No. Snow West. You heard it here first. People. The flash. The flashpocket.com. Copyright by Lord Mess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I. Uh, I liked it a lot. You know, if I make comment about something, I. I agree with you, Lauren, that it's, it's very often in TV when we see women being either pit against each other because they have a same love interest or they're barely in any scenes together at all. And, you know, this past season on Arrow, you know, we did see Lauren Pelosi finally become friends. And, you know, like, look, Oliver could have stayed dead for, like, nine more episodes if I, if I could have just had gotten more scenes with Felicity and Laurel. Like, that's how little I cared about Oliver this season. Stephen Amell, if you ever listen to this, which I know you won't, 
I'm sorry that I didn't care for your character for almost 12 episodes. Uh, but, like, it was just great seeing them become friends. And I want that, you know, that there's that one moment when Kaylin says, no, the four of, the four of us helped. And she looks at Iron So and she's like, you know, she's like, F this, you know, the whole, let's fight because we're women and whatnot. You know, she's like, no, I'm going to support my, I'm going to support my girl. I'm going to stand by her, my woman. And, you know, she's my girlfriend. And, you know, we're going to kick some ass. And I, I love that. I want to see them also. I do want to see them become friends and be close with one another. And now this whole roommate situation is something I could definitely get behind because, uh, yeah, um, Lord Meza are them as best season roomies that you know who can say no to that and and also with each other the difference between Aaron and the Flash is the Flash is brighter and you know it's okay to be funny also having this epic action that we get so I say they all at the at the end of the last season um, Cisco's place and Keaton's place gets trashed so they all have to move <laughs> into that the West household and it's like full house uh... it's like Flash house. And then they're all fighting to use the bathroom, and Cisco's you know, <laughs> got crazy experiments in the in the basement, and uh, <laughs> uh, and it's just uh, shenanigans all around. Like, that that's would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, now, I if I may add, add it as a, as a sub question, uh, how soon do you like in, like you know despite you know our feelings whatever like how soon. Do we want to see her become Killer Frost, though? Like, you know, like, should they... Do, do you want season two to be the year when, you know, like, by the end of the season, do you want to see her be Killer Frost? Or do you... How fast or slow should they go with this? I don't want it to be too fast. I feel that uh, there's a big... Depending on how they begin this new season and, and where they pick up, because it's obvious that they've got to resolve this huge time vortex in the sky... Uh, like and as, you know, as you mentioned, the she's supposed to be gone, I guess, in the first episode. So I, I guess it should it'll really depend on where they pick up in the beginning and and how fast Barry resolves it and and how soon afterwards that they I guess go on to their normal lives and and you know this you know and, and get over this whole. Uh, potential world-ending um, event. So I feel that if, if that's the case and she comes back and, and she takes more leadership role in Star Labs, that uh, they've milked that for a while. And I think they should just kind of you know build it because the other part of it is is you want it when she does change it to be a very kind of tragic and... and uh, momentful situation that you're just like, no, not, not Caitlin, you know? So in order to do that, granted, she's had a great first season where she's, she's built this rapport with everyone, but now it feels like, you know, now this is where she takes a more, um, um, uh, advanced role and, 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 and leading the group maybe, or becoming the one that kind of delegates duties and, and everything, and who knows? Maybe she's going to be the one that's tasked with uh, bringing back Star Labs to its its uh, former glory prior to the, the the accident. So, so yeah, I would say you know leave it till the end or midway. You know, maybe make it the mid the second spring season, whatever it is that they do where they they just came back from the winter break and they already go on to their spring break or something. We'll 
save it for then. That way, you know, at least we'll be closer to the end of the season and we don't have to, like, kind of go through a whole season uh, with her as the villain just yet. I like, by the way, what you just said, uh, and that kind of combines with what Lauren was saying, that, you know, she is seeing her lead Star Lab, but you brought up, like, you know, her, uh, her bringing Star Labs back to its full glory. That could maybe set up an arc where, you know, Star Labs beca- starts developing that more rivalry be- with uh, Mercury Labs, which is um, where Tina McGee, mm. from the original Flash show, is yeah. at. Get her more back into the scientific mm-hmm. world and so, and not just be known as, oh, that scientist that was working with crazy Dr. Harrison Wells. Right. Yeah, I think there are a lot of things that they could do in season two for The Flash because now that Harrison Wells really is dead and the world is starting to realize there are metahumans, I mean, Star Labs could become this center for metahumans and they could start doing studies and investigating causes and tachyons and particle accelerators and all those great technical things that they introduced last season and uh, there's Gideon right Gideon is still working right she's I don't... she's still an active computer is in she... Star Labs didn't Harrison take her with I, I, I don't think so I think she's still and well and she doesn't seem to be um, she doesn't seem to be only accessible by Wells, she seems to be pretty um, um, user friendly to everybody. So, uh, well, Barry is isn't she's about isn't Barry the one who built her in the future? Yeah, is, so they could ask Gideon a lot of questions. They could start inventing <laughs> a lot of new tech. They're ma- I mean, magic aid, well, basically, you know, will I, know. <laughs> will I do this in the future? Come wow. back, come back later. <laughs> There could be a lot of, of directions that they go for this season. I guess my other hope, too, is that Ronnie is fine, that Robbie Amell joins the cast as a series regular, and that, that she and Ronnie just they get to have a healthy marriage. Because it's so rare to see an actually functioning, healthy married couple on television, especially a couple that's so young and that's so in love. And I think the way that Joe West is a really good father figure, I would love to see a really good kind of family marital structure happen but if she at some point turns into killer frost and then they are on opposing sides that could that could cause a lot of trouble for that relationship so i don't know well, how good- funny it would be though to see like a, like a like a almost like a married with children though with with firestorm <laughs> guest, special guest special guest star ed o'neill or or they're having to throw his bickering with one another and she's always freezing his coffee and he's always melting her ice cream or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and if they ever had kids, their kids would be like double powered. Oh my god, what would their kids be like? Um you know, if they were both men if you know if they're both firestorm and killer frost, like Well, I guess one of the kids would be two because they can name him lukewarm. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that they projected was just, like, room temperature. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. No, it's fine. Um, I One of the things I do want to see more of is... I definitely want to see more flashbacks of Caitlyn. I, I want to see when she... Like, even before she met Dr. You know, crazy Dr. Harrison Wells, and, you know, kind of see her early life as a scientist, and, you know, maybe even her family. I remember... Um, I don't know which reporter it was who asked it, but at our table, but she, you know, she was asked the question of like, 
if we will ever see her family. And we, you know, like she was like, you know, you know, I have no idea who I want to cast. And uh, she started, and I think she then kicked out about Peter Garber. She's like, you know, like you know, how do we get Peter Garber? And I'm like, you know, like that's what Lauren wants to know too. <laughs> like, um, but uh, you know, I would love to see her family a little bit more. Maybe, you know, it would be cool if she had a little sister. And they did cast her real, real life little sister, Kay Panabaker, because. That could be actually kind of fun because she's also an actor. Wow. Like, are playing a younger version of her? Oh my. See, this is why we. This is why I love organizing. <laughs> he. I didn't think of that. That could be awesome. Like, you know, in flashbacks, like when she's like eight. Because she, I think her little sister's like four or five years younger than her. So you know, that would be interesting. Um, but, um, yeah. but what do you. A future version of her daughter. <laughs> like, that would be hey, perfect. yeah, flash forward. <laughs> yeah, flash forward. Or like an Earth 2 or, or alternate reality or uh, yeah, reality uh, version of a uh, future daughter of hers, maybe. This is why superhero shows are so great because you can flash back, you can flash forward, you can flash sideways, you can <laughs> multiverse everything and reset the timeline. They just, they get to do... They get to have so much fun on these shows. Flash well, didn't they announce that, uh, that Tom Cavanaugh was... Uh, he's still part of the cast, right? He's Yeah. So so I would imagine that, you know, granted, Wells of, of Barry's reality is gone, but Wells of another reality might, you know, roll through or walk through uh, another... <laughs> <work there. laughs> Working the puns today. I was wondering why does he laugh at? Oh, right, because he was in a. Well, Harrison faked it, okay? You know we. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he did. He's a big faker. (laughs) So you know, mess with a man in a wheelchair. They might bring another. They might bring another a nicer Wells, you know, into the fold, and he might take over, you know, for. Because no one really, other than everyone else that was part of the whole trying to send uh, Eobard back, no one else in the in the real world uh, knew what happened to to Wells. So he could easily take over from where where Eobard left off, and and no one would be the wiser, at least in terms of the general public. I think True. I think the Harrison we will meet, whoever it is, if it's Harrison Wells of Earth Two, or if it's uh somehow and Harrison Wells in our world that somehow survived because of them you know you know let's remember Barry you know Eddie killed the person that is going to make Barry into the Flash basically so you know it's something is going to have to be changed here and I feel like it's going to be interesting but I do think that the Harrison Wells we will see is definitely going to clash with Jay Garrick because I think Jay Garrick and and Harrison are going to clash for you know the leadership of that role uh, for the role of the leadership of that team uh, and being like the mentor figure for all the um, all the kids. Is J- is Jay Garrick like some? Is he like an uh, uh, an intellectual, or is he is he someone that that could do that? Or outside of, uh, for sure, he's he's a he's a hero, and and he can he can mentor. Uh, Barry and and everything Flash and Speedster related, but in regards to the science aspect of Star Labs, can he do that? I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure. I I actually don't know or remember what it is Jake Eric does like outside of being the Flash. Um, 
but you know they might they might you know they've said that he's gonna be a big teacher for Barry so you know maybe you know that could maybe there is a scientific part to him but I guess I think we he's gonna be more of like a like a, a Yoda kind of speed force maybe a mentor more so speed than force like is strong with you <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly more so than a scientific mentor or anything like that I think he's gonna really teach Barry the more maybe the more s- philosophical or metaphysical uh, aspect of the speed force uh, less than like the whole particles and and metachlorians and all that sort yeah <laughs> run run through the force you will <laughs> i i was like trying to because like, i laurie was like the line you said it was one way i was about to say i was like i need to come up with something i have to be funny somehow <laughs> <laughs> i run through the force i will I I'm yeah, I love, can do Gollum. I, love... <laughs> I really can't. Wait, let me. <clears throat> my, my, my precious. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Um, I would love to ask the listeners a question. And the question that you just asked, Andy, is if you guys are listening to the show, please tweet us. When you want to see Killer Frost happen, if you want it to be early on in season two, kind of the middle of season two, the end of season two, or a different season altogether. Because I would love to hear people's thoughts on Killer Frost. Because some people, they love villains, and they love to see what happens when good people go bad. And then other people don't like villains at all, and they just want everything to stay kind of the same and nice and happy. So if you guys uh, are on Twitter and you're following the Flash podcast, please let us know when you want to see Killer Frost uh, slide onto our our screens with her icy powers. Wow, really, Laura? Slide? Skate, skate I, or yeah, uh, she'll she'll frost her weight. No, okay, never mind. I. <laughs> hey, you know puns are difficult, you guys. <laughs> they are. Well, let's wrap up our Caitlin episode. Just some closing thoughts. So, Caitlin is a very intelligent woman. She clearly has an an intelligence that has gotten her a very early doctorate in her life. She has proven herself to be incredibly loyal to both Dr. Wells, to Cisco, to Barry, and of course to Ronnie, because almost a year after he passed, or at least she thought he passed, she was still faithful to him. And we know that she's a woman of, of great intelligence and great resilience, because no matter what metahuman or villain they faced she was always able to stay encouraging so in terms of any kind of emotional growth is there any closing thoughts you guys have on just on caitlin this season or anything for next season no i think she i'm glad to have fallen in love with this character uh who i was i was never you know skeptical or against you know them bringing in caitlin snow when i didn't know who she was i thought it was just interesting that they were adding her out of all people because i was you know she has no relationship but i actually thought they were going to introduce patty in season one 
before they announced that Kaylin Snow was going to be part of the Team Flash of, her, of Season 1 and so on. But I'm glad to have gotten to know this character and that the way they are portraying her on on the show. You know, I love all the women on the show. It was fun getting to know this character and, you know, discover Kaylin Snow. Like, you know, because, like, we, you know, Killer Frost, you know, you can look her up. You know, you can see her in all these other mediums and comics and stuff like that. But I love getting to know the the woman behind the frost, I guess, if that's a good <laughs> saying. And I like to, I like to know, I love to get to know the human part of this famous comic book character. And Daniel Panabaker is, you know, blessed David Rappaport for getting her for this role. And um, she is like mo- so many of these actors on the show. She has so many great layers you know she's good you know she's funny she's smart she's beautiful and you know she brings all that to caitlin and you know all i'm saying is you know one thing i do need to see more of in season two and i'm i'm dead serious we need more karaoke and we need we i think the fans should get to submit what songs caitlin should sing at the karaoke bar in season two because that that stuff was hilarious, y'all. So, um, no, but I'm excited to get to see the continuing exploration of this strong woman and um, the relationship she will make in season two, and you know maybe the new role she's going to be playing. You know, you know the leader, the, um, the the enemy maybe. Who knows? You know, but I'm um, I yeah. It's you know it's a it's a she came full circle for this first season, and I'm looking forward to see chapter two of Kaylin Snow. I think. Uh... What they've uh, obviously kind of also uh, shown with with Captain Cold is a villain isn't necessarily a villain. Um, they he, I think that there could be a kind of like in Batman, uh, Two Face was always kind of uh, a, a possible re- um, redemption character, at least in Bruce's eyes. I think the same could possibly be said for Caitlin's character if and when she does become Killer Frost is that they may kind of play around with the whole idea that yeah she she's a villain now but she's also has this history with 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 Cisco and with Barry that she might not be the a complete villain villain or there might be circumstances to why she's doing what she's doing so that it may not be completely out of the question that she could still be the same Caitlin that they know and and I think the the writers have also um, kind of showed with Arrow and, and with Flash that yes there's the the comic book history and and, and uh, backstory that a lot of these characters that they're using in the shows have that are that legacy but at the same time they're also not afraid to kind of play around with that and and have these characters be um, more tailored to the show and to the storylines that they want to do and want to develop, and, and so I think that um, yeah, there's she's got a she's she's had a great arc the first season and the second season. Um, I think uh, it will it will be a it'll be a mixed bag of of us getting to really grow more attached to her, and then the whole transformation possibly into frost and then who knows after that if if there'll be you know um, 
hints of like them trying to to uh, convert her and, and bring her back to the fold, or if she's really gonna go off the deep end and just uh, cut all ties with the group. So, so yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Awesome. I think I'm just excited to see anywhere that they would want to take her. Whether, I mean, obviously you never want to see a character go backwards emotionally. So I hope she's able to remain open and warm and strong and confident. And I think I'm, I'm particularly interested in, and hopefully the writers go this direction, but I would love to see her really become a strength and a support for Iris. I think that it's important to show female characters connect and, and become really good friends on shows like this, like we said earlier. And I think Caitlin has a very unique point of view because she's experienced the death of a loved one. And that's exactly what Iris is going through right now. And honestly, I think Caitlin is the only person that can bring Iris back from any kind of uh, grief that would cause Iris to maybe pull away or be detached for a little while. I think Caitlin will be the person to bring her back and, and remind her that they're doing good work and that she can be a part of the team instead of being on the outside. I don't, well, I don't think she's going to be that absent though, because I know I, there was a, I don't know what website it was. Maybe you remember which one it was, Lauren, but it was this great website that interviewed the, um, Gabrielle Stanton, uh, I think that's her last name, the, um, the showrunner of The Flash, and she said that you know instead of grief, you know, letting the death of Eddie hold her back, she's going to be using that grief to kind of like you know move forward with you know she's you know we know a lot of people are excited she's going to become the ace reporter now of that we know comic books, and uh, uh, so like, while I think Iris is going to be you know active in her career, I think that you know. I think I, Caitlin is, like you said, I think she's going to be the one that can kind of get through to Iris, be like, you know, like, well, how are you really feeling? You know, like, let her, yes. like, you know, like, it's okay to be, you know, if you want to cry, you know, you can cry. It's okay because, you know, you know, unlike Ronnie, you know, and, and although in the same, at the same time, Eddie could be the same case, which is, you know, his body did get stuck into the wormholes, so who knows if he will be back in two years or whatnot, but, you know, like, as of right now, Eddie is completely dead, but with Ronnie is, you know, there was that, you know, well, he's he's possibly still alive, and they found him, but with Eddie, it's like, there's not, they're not gonna have that many traces of him to be able to discover that he's maybe alive or whatever, so she's, she's, she's really gonna be the one who's really lost something, and, um, so, I don't know, I'm just looking forward to, you know, I, I, I preach to what you said, Lauren, that, you know, that, you know, women should, you know, like, we need to see more friendly relationships with, between women on TV instead of, like, you know, okay. you, yeah, you, you like the same man as I do. Uh, oh, hell no, girl. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you guys know what the Bechdel test is, right? For movies and for TV shows. The what, though? No. The Bechdel test. So the Bechdel test is it ranks um, like feminism and diversity in films and the Bechdel is specifically for female characters. So you look at a movie like Pacific Rim, which is a fantastically diverse character. You have Idris Elba, who is obviously an African British actor. You have um, the woman who the Asian Japanese woman. So you think, Oh, Pacific Rim is a very uh, diverse kind of forward thinking film, but it does not pass the Bechdel test because there's only one woman in the film. 
And so the Bechdel test is, do you have more than one female characters in your show or film? The answer is yes, that's like a point. But the follow-up question is, do those women ever talk to each other? And in some films, you might have a bunch of women, but they never talk to each other. So you get like a point if they actually talk to each other. But the third question is, when those women talk to each other, are they talking about a man? Oh. And so most films completely fail the Bechdel test, even if there's more than one character, because they're only ever talking about like the men in their lives as opposed to their career or their job or their dreams or their family. And hopefully the Flash can pass the Bechdel test next season through Iris and Caitlin. I would love to see that. Oh, Yeah. Because they didn't really talk to each other too much uh, the first season. They were with a, there's occasional scenes, but they were pretty much not in too many scenes. Yeah, at least not until the very end. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like the same goes for Flash and Arrow. Er- the same goes for Arrow. We had, and I think Arrow has always been pretty progressive and has done a really good job of that. But I hope they do that in the Flash for season two. I think they I think will. I, yeah, I, I I predict Snow West uh, um, karaoke. Oh my nights. <laughs> Lord, you know the more ideas you keep you keep pitching on the show, the more you're going to hear from me be like, you know, Lord, you need to draw the matrix ours. We need to see this. Like, you know, it's a dangerous game. <laughs> so, no, but I Yeah, you know, karaoke is awesome, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. So, like, you know, the more we can get of that, you know, the the, the better. Yeah, uh, Hell yeah! You know all the, all the. They should invite Felicity too, which would and, be fun. And Laurel and Pia and Nissa <laughs> and, and Nissa uh, as and um, more black and white milkshake. Uh, Pat, you know, let's bring Kit Patty as well because she's going to be a big part of the season as well. Sure. And, and uh, if Sarah's uh, not time jumping. She can <laughs> yeah. Pop in and... and Hawk Girl. <laughs> so um, we we need a female just league like five episode arc or something on one of these shows or like you know birds of prey tv show we mark pedowitz you know you call me so <laughs> um <laughs> because yes i i am totally a tv producer but um <laughs> but um awesome first of all good job leading the discussion lauren uh we you know there yes. was i i kind of want to go back and watch rewatch the season a fourth time now uh you know this time for the caitlin episodes um the past few ones has been for Cisco and Iris and Joe and stuff like that. So, um, first of all, let's you know we're gonna do some links and plugs. First of all, Lord, thank you so 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 much for coming on again. We you know you we love having you on the show. You can come back anytime you want, and uh, tell everyone who isn't following you on social media like where they can find you as well as your website. And all right, if you want to plug any upcoming events you're going to. Um, right now, oh, I guess for, in terms of social media, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Lord Mesa, uh, and on Facebook, I'm Lord Mesa, I have a Lord Mesa art page, and on YouTube, I have a Lord Mesa art channel, which has the time-lapse videos of myself drawing, and then on Instagram, I'm, uh, Lord underscore Mesa, so, a lot of Lord Mesas around, and then, in regards to, uh, Future conventions, I should be. I will be at Kamikaze uh, in October. Okay, and now Lauren, you you're doing a lot of things on the internet. So um, first of all, tell us about 
what you think can find you on Twitter with your changed Twitter handler, as well as what you're going to be doing soon for another DC show and um, what Assembly Geeks is going to be up to and its new season. Yeah, so you guys can find me on Twitter at Lauren Galloway. And I also have a public Facebook page, which is, uh, I think it's just forward slash Lauren Galloway on Facebook. And I am on Twitter all the time. So please come say hi and let us know that you listened to this episode. I'd love to hear more about your favorite Caitlin moments. As most of you know, I also contribute to the Assembly of Geeks podcast. And the Assembly of Geeks is gearing up for a huge season three rebranding. So uh, we're going into our third season of the podcast. And Scott, our wonderful producer, is in the process of... Actually, he just designed our new logo. We have a new Peggy Carter podcast logo. We're putting a lot of shirts on Public, And the episode that was just uploaded, technically our season two finale, has some fantastic interviews and a really awesome cliffhanger. So I encourage you guys to listen to that episode. We'll be on a break for about three weeks, and then I think we come back September 9th. But uh, we have a lot of fun over on that podcast. And a lot of you guys are familiar with Amy. She's regularly on that show. And then I'm also contributing to Entertainment Weekly's community blog. And I will exclusively be covering Vixen for Entertainment Weekly. Which I'm so, so, so excited about. Because this character has such a rich history in DC Comics, and I got to do a really cool kind of preview piece about her character and about the show on Entertainment Weekly. If you guys want to find that, you can just Google um, EW Community and then just put in Vixen and it should come up right away. But I will be recapping episodes every Tuesday on the EW Community. So by the time you listen to this, you will be able to read Lauren's first recap uh, as this will be released um, this the first episode will air on Tuesday August 25th and this episode yes. this episode will be I almost said air it would re- it will be released on Wednesday August 26th so you'll be able to catch her recap on the EW community and I'm super excited for Vixen and uh, so yeah make sure to check out that as well as season 3 of Assembly Geeks in uh, in September remember on September 1st Assembly Geeks will be updating its Twitter handle too to Assembly of Geeks. Uh, so make sure to remember that handle from, from starting on September 1st. And um, is there anything else you want to plug, Lauren? Um, if any listeners are fans of Agent Carter and you live in the Southern California area, we are putting together a ton of Agent Carter cosplay meetups. So just come say hi on Twitter and I'll make sure you guys get all the info for that. Awesome. So, yeah, and guys, uh, for you... For those of you who've been around since season zero, you know you know where you can find all of us. But for anyone who's maybe new to the podcast uh, this week, you can find us on theflashpodcast.com, where you can get all the latest news about The Flash, as well as your favorite Flash podcast, The Flash Podcast. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Vine, and Periscope, all under The Flash Podcast. We're part of the Google Plus Circle, The Flash Fans, which is run by my good friend Hank of TFNI.com. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Like Amy, Laura, and Adam have said before on the show, the more you, you know, the more reviews and stars we get, the more you help in supporting the podcast and letting more people know about the show. And, you know, like Amy said on the last episode, the more you guys you know, support us via iTunes and stuff like that, the, you know, the more we can give back to you guys by, you know, 
giving you guys more coverage from events, red carpets, uh, interviews, and all those things. So, you know, if you just have a few minutes, head over to iTunes. Give us, you know, like a five-star review. And let us know what you think of the show. And let us know how awesome the girls are. Let, let us know how fast I tend to talk a lot and uh, and so on <laughs> and uh, and yeah we would really appreciate it and uh, for more dct podcasting head over to dctpodcast.com to get your best arrow supergirl legend of tomorrow and and gotham podcast along with the flash and if you have any questions email us at the flash podcast at gmail.com lord once again thank you so much for coming on like don't be a stranger come back anytime you want we're hopefully gonna have you on in season two for an episode and we can talk about you know one of the actual episodes of the show so uh so yeah no thank you so much for coming on again well thank you guys for having me i really it's a lot of fun and uh, i definitely would uh like to do another episode for season two of course well dude you're you're my, bro, you're our bro. You know, you're you're part of this Flash podcast family. So, uh, to wrap up our episode for this week, until next time, for our teammates Scott, Amy, Dave, the two Mikes, Steph, and Chris, I'm Andy B. I'm Lauren Galloway. And we will see you next time on the Flash podcast. Mm-hmm.